everybody and welcome to episode number 164 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike, where we will be covering the 13th episode of season 7, the uh, season and series finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode What We Are Fighting For. But before we get on to that, uh, Hannah, how are you? Goodbye, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> uh, yes, it's the end of an era. This is the end of our... Um, first long-form review of a show. We've covered every episode of the seven seasons of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I'm not sure how many episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is. Three years, uh, four different houses, one reconstructed ankle. Um, what else has changed? Um, an event-free life for me, weirdly. I feel like I'm due for something, maybe. Uh, uh, I don't say that. I quit drinking. Yeah, um, through this. Yeah, not because yeah. of this. No, really, not because it. of this. Just, just happened. At the yeah, same I, time. I feel like we need to to explain that there's no drama there. No, this oh, isn't no, no, like no. Uh, Hannah didn't like wake up in a ditch one day or something. No. This was this no, was just I, a moderate life choice. Yeah, I I did dry July because uh, well, I just fancy doing it um, and uh, liked going. it so much that I just didn't stop stopping yeah. ice cream became your yeah new, yeah uh, i have a pint of ice cream yeah. ready to devour once we start the episode yeah. yeah and i'm on the fizzy water as well so i'm alive with pleasure now i might sneak a beer in later on depending on how the evening I goes i say i got beers in just for you um just uh, d- depending on how hannah treats me tonight let's see if she drives me to drink like i drive her <laughs> to ice cream although i drive myself to the supermarket to buy her ice cream yeah so uh but uh, but no it is the end of an era we've been co- covering this show for uh, several years i think that you know, we've it shows that we stick with things. I think that's good yeah. to uh, to do that. But um, we'll um, maybe get into a little bit about briefly, I guess, what our next thing's going to be. Uh, Long time listeners will know that uh, we don't only talk about Marvel's Agents of Shield. You know, the whole idea of this podcast, I guess, was um, for uh, Hannah and I will rewatch or watch in some cases, you know, TV shows like we've spoke before about, you know, the Star Trek shows and the Babylon 5 shows and about how I kind of regretted that we didn't do um, a little bit of a recording after each episode. And I think the idea originally was that we'd just do five or ten minutes, you know, yeah. uh, and that it would just be a kind of a document of, hey, so what did you think of this one? Oh, you know, this, that or the other. But mm. I think us being us and also lockdown you know the yeah. fact that it was a lot like a lot of podcasts it, podcasts it was a lockdown project meant that it grew from that but we do you know we've always done the sorbet shows and the intention was always that when we finished agents of shield uh, even if we weren't doing a podcast we'd probably go on to doing a rewatch of another show or maybe i'd like yeah, like we are with the x-files i'd push another show onto but, hannah I mean, that, that came from doing a sorbet episode yeah exactly exactly so so um it just so happens that the first show that we covered in its entirety was a long one you know it was a seven season show with long long seasons and the reason we started with it is because we watched the final in in lockdown yeah and i said to mike that i'd really love to go back to the start and re-watch it again given how far the team travels basically yeah. emotionally and metaphorically physically whatever that's sort of why that was our first pick yeah, yeah. And, and I think that you know when we originally watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we watched it in kind of fits and starts in the way that there were some seasons that we watched as appointment television yeah. there are other seasons that we held off on and then watched so there was a there was a little bit of an irregularity to the way that we watched the show yeah um so I think that we both felt when the show finished and Spoiler alert, you know, I think we agreed that it stuck the landing. Absolutely. Um, and we've said a lot about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that it's one of those shows where, particularly in the early episodes, it really pays to know that it's going to be good and that it's going to continue 100%. to be good. And I think that because when the show stuck its landing, we knew that this show was this complete awesome thing. It made the prospect of going back and watching it from the beginning, knowing that it was good, mm. a much more desirable thing. And I think one of my biggest takeaways is, on reflection, there's not really a lot of episodes that are a bit sort of, eh, it was yeah. okay. You know, that's that's pretty amazing yeah. for a, a 
for a show that has as many episodes as this does, yeah, yeah. to keep it of a really great quality throughout mm. is is insane. Yeah, it's quite an achievement, isn't it? Mm. So, so I mean, we tonight obviously we'll be watching this final episode, and then starting in the next episode, so episode one six five. We are going to start our coverage of Twin Peaks uh, with the pilot episode of that, which um, has just become available in 4K for the first time, actually. So I'll be, give me a nice excuse to uh, rewatch that in all of its yeah. shininess. And what I would say as well is if you came to this show through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would hope you would stick around. But what I would also say as well is, and a bit of a broken record here, but if you're somebody who's listening to this show not live, so to speak, you know, you're catching up or whatever, and you want to send us feedback about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., do that. And what, oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's a, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a show that we've covered on the podcast for multiple years. So I would imagine that the conversation around that show will continue yeah. as people find the podcast. And also as people who find Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because what often happens, and we've heard this before, is people will maybe stumble across it on... Disney Plus, particularly now, I think we're in a writer's strike where we are going to start to see the effects of no new content coming out. Yeah. I think a lot of older shows are going to find audiences again. It's like what happened with The Office during lockdown, you yeah. know. Um, and I think maybe what will happen is people will start watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And like a lot of people do, they'll be like, hey, are there any podcasts where people discuss Absolutely. this? So, I mean, what I would say, there's two things here, I guess, is if that's you... Then don't think. Uh, you know, I guess you probably wouldn't be listening to this last episode, but mm-hmm. you know, do, we are amenable to feedback on things that we've covered previously. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, if you listen to the show primarily for the Agents of Shield element of it, that will probably continue in the conversation sporadically anyway. Absolutely, and and you know, there are a few people that we have contacted throughout the years and months and weeks, and whatever, um, who we'd sort of tentatively lined up to interview or made a very loose plan to interview. And then, of course, the writer's strike has hit and um, that's kind of scuppered that because, quite rightly, people don't want to be promoting things when they're on strike. Yeah. So there's every likelihood that hopefully once all that gets resolved, some of those interviews might still Yeah, happen. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and... You know, we certainly won't be avoiding doing those interviews just because we've finished watching yeah. it. And what I would also say is, if you've never watched Twin Peaks, watch Twin Peaks. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, just it's I mean, pretty pretty insane. Even TV. if you decide not to listen to the podcast anymore, yeah. watch Twin Peaks. Yeah. is what I always say. Absolutely. But um, do you want to give us the tale of the tape of this episode? Sure. It's a pretty quick one. It says the final fight against the Chronicoms begins. A familiar face returns. Um, it's directed by Kevin Tancheron and written by Jed Whedon. All right. And when did this air? This aired on the 12th of August, 2020. Okay. Well, um, a couple of quick bits of housekeeping. Uh, a reminder that we always appreciate feedback, and that can be about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even after today. And we have uh, quite a lot of it today. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and you can do that at uh, rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter and we are also on Instagram, where in both cases we are at rewatchproj. Don't you mean X? I will call it Twitter until the day I die. <laughs> um, I mean, I still, I still call Morrison's in Shirley Safeway, <laughs> for God's sake. Safe. Westpac Stadium will be Westpac Stadium forever. I don't yeah, care yeah. what else you call it. Uh, i got loads of those. Also, we appreciate feedback. Uh, sorry, we appreciate reviews, I should say, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also check out our friend shows, namely uh, Chinstroker vs. Punter, his film, her movie, video game, Landfill, Film Bastards, The Good, The Bad, and The Odd, and Talk Without Rhythm. And I think that is everything, isn't it? I have forgotten one thing. If you listen to us on YouTube, um, then also please do feel free to leave comments there as well, which um, if they feel uh, feedbacky in timbre, we will include those in the show as well. Uh, anyway, sorry, as you were. Okay, I will start with the YouTube comments. Silver Surfaces. Uh, greetings, my fellow agents. Hope all is well. Great episode, but I'll always be dork angry of how they did young Garrett dirty in this episode. 
They did a um, little bit, didn't they? In the OG timeline, Garrett turned bad because he was betrayed by S.H.I.E.L.D. So we can deduce that young Garrett in this timeline would have stayed good after being portrayed by Nathaniel. And yes, Cora is terribly written in my opinion. One more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to go. I'm sad but also excited to see what lies ahead for you both on this podcast. Oh, kind words, kind Thank words. You. And uh, agree with all of that. I think the, I think the justification with Garrett might be that he always had it in him. There just needed to be a catalyst. Yeah. And in this instance, it was a different quality. Yeah. It was a different catalyst. And I'm kind of, I'm squinting to make that work a little bit, but that, that would be my hand wave if I had to head cannon my way out of it. Um, he goes on to say my hot take of the week, Heath Ledger's Joker is overrated. Nolan and Ledger were inspired to say it nicely by Brandon Lee's the crow film. Lee's performance and confronting the mob at a table scene were completely ripped off, in my opinion. Jack Nicholson will always be my favourite live-action Joker, and Mark Hamill's Joker is the greatest of all time. Dork rant over. I kind of disagree and agree with that in the sense that I get the crow thing. That's definitely an influence. But I think that that was mainly a visual influence and really just in that one scene. I think Heath Ledger's spectacular in that film, and he did, that movie, I think, deserves... All the kudos. But the thing about that, what's great about that performance is it's a really wonderful synergy of filmmaker and performer because there's lots of really great subtle directing stuff going on there because the whole point of Heath Ledger's Joker is he's an anarchist, but at the same time, he's kind of controlling the game. Like you always think that they've caught him, but he wanted to be caught. Yeah. And there's a great bit at the beginning of the film, this great bit of filmmaking where he's doing a, um, he's robbing a bank and you think that he's been caught and he's in the middle of the frame and I love that, and Heath Ledger's Joker, he, he steps to the left of the frame for no reason, and the camera follows him, and it's like he's controlling the frame. It's like mm. he's controlling the camera, and the combination of the physicality of that performance and the way that Nolan shoots him, like films him, um, really is something else. And it was funny, I actually um, went back and re-watched The Dark Knight relatively recently, and I watched it on my phone as well, so I was really not giving it the full cinematic treatment. And it's one of those ones where I was like, is this as good as I remember it? And yeah, <laughs> it, really, it really is just a, one of the greatest superhero movies made of all time. But I would say that if I was a really big fan of The Crow, it would probably irritate me more because I do kind it does grind my gears a little bit when a really highly regarded film has taken stuff from a smaller film that I really like. Like The Matrix is like that, uh, which actually, funnily enough, The Crow was one of the films that the Matrix lifted from as well. So what I will say, the reason I say I agree and disagree is The Crow and Dark City, both Alex Proyas films, are extremely underrated as far as their contributions go because they both influenced films that are regarded as influential films. I'm going to abstain from an opinion on this because for two reasons. Firstly, I've never seen The Crow, um, so... I, I can't comment on what's lifted and what's not. And secondly, I'm not the biggest fan of Batman. So while I enjoyed the the Heath Ledger movie to a degree, I didn't think it was the best thing since yeah, sliced bread. Sorry, you're back. No. Um, he also sent a comment saying, I want to thank you both for this wonderful trip down Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. memory lane. Not only are you two a great couple to listen to, you also gave me a personal moment of healing in sharing my experience with Gabriel Luna and him and you being so kind and sending love my way. I'll always be grateful for that. Oh, that's nice. That's so lovely. And it, and and it is funny, I mean, because... Absolutely most welcome. I'm glad we were able to do that for you. Yeah, and I think when you do things like a podcast or a blog, you know, there's always that... You're putting yourself out there. Yeah. You know, and inevitably you do get the odd douchebag. You know, it's just going to happen if you're out there because there's just people who are, you know, nuts. You just yeah. don't, you know, the internet's a big place. But I think but you also don't know what's going to happen from a positive perspective. So it's great being able to interact with people like Silver Surfer and Jack Dubbs who are just really enthusiastic and to bring them into that. They've been just a constant source of 
of knowledge and fun yeah. and consistency enthusiasm yeah yeah and absolutely know, it's been really great um, but also you know being able to re-watch a show that you like but and being able to have conversations with people who made the show Absolutely. You know, I mean, that wouldn't happen if you were just watching it on the TV. But when no. you're doing a podcast, you kind of get out there a little mm. bit more. So, you know, that was nice. And the great thing about Twin Peaks is I've already done that, so I can I don't I can just repurpose stuff. <laughs> I could just throw an interview on the end of an episode that I've already you know. So that that's yeah. great. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Really, that means a lot to hear. That's really great. And yeah, and I, I'm I, yeah yeah. Um. Right. So Jack Dubs says. Love the dramatic irony of Garrett momentarily becoming a white hat only for a young Victoria hand to accidentally shoot him in the head. <laughs> Hilarious. I don't yep. have much to say about this one as it was 99% set up for the finale. Cards on the table time. As most of as most Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. villains have the life expectancy of a spinal tap drummer, I find it hard to care all that much for either Nathaniel or Cora. Yeah, they are both that. a means to an end. If I had anything to say about them, it would be that I wish they had cast younger for Cora and I wish that they had gone a bit further with the look for Nathaniel. Nothing about him screams 1980s. I yeah, think that's, that's true. a fair comment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'd almost forgotten that yeah. that's where he, where he was from. Yeah, absolutely. He just kind of looks very... Like a generic Agents yeah, of Shield. Yeah, Okay. We I now- mean, to be honest with you, I don't think... I mean... You've got characters like Ward and stuff like that, but I mean, Agents of Shield, Marvel in general, DC has always been about the villains. You know, you think in DC the villains are more memorable, but the villains in Marvel are kind of MacGuffins, mm. so it doesn't bother me that much. The only time it bothers me is when they spend too much time on them. Yeah. Um, we have an email from a new. Feedbacker. Oh, wow. Gosh, this is um, late in the day. I know. This email is entitled Person of Interest. I'm sorry, who's this from? Um, they haven't put their name. Okay. Um, I love you guys and this podcast. Thank you for giving me a reason to rewatch this amazing series. I know I'm really behind on your podcast. I am at season four, episode 16. But after catching up to this point, I wonder, have you heard or watched the Jonathan Nolan series, Person of Interest? Oh, yes, I remember this show. Is it, it is one of my favourites, and I don't think you've mentioned it once before. I thought this series is a good fit for you guys after listening to Trope's other series you like. It was produced by J.J. Abrams, and it was Jonathan Nolan's first big project. He has gone on to create Westworld nowadays. The series has five seasons, but the first season is a slower case of the week episode. But it started to turn into a bigger plot and mythology show where you where you grow to care about each and every character. Anyway, I hope you, I hope I can hear you guys talk about this series one day. Sorry if my English is hard to understand; it is not my first language. Anyway, have a good day, and I will keep listening to the podcast. Maybe interact with you guys in the future. We would appreciate that. Thank you so much for that email. And can I say, your English is fantastic. Mm. I um, think I think you, Hannah's reading bits. What's butchered it? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I was. Um, I yeah. Sometimes I have trouble reading. Um, I haven't seen Person of Interest. Have you seen it? No, I've not. I think I might have watched the first episode. I remember it came out. Uh, it must have been around 2010 or 2011. I remember it was relatively early in my podcasting career. And it was one of those many shows that kind of, it felt like it existed in that kind of fringe alias prison break kind of right. Jim Caviezel's in it. And Michael Emerson, who was in Lost and uh, Amy Acker from Angel was in it as well. Right, okay. And it's one of those sort of um, shows that I always was like, I'll get to it and mm-hmm. I probably will watch it. And it is another one of those case of the week, slowly giving way to story art kind yeah. of shows. I think it ran for like four or five seasons. So the short answer is I haven't watched it, but the feeling I get from the show is that it would absolutely be a priority. So I think that might be one for us. To, Maybe uh, that could be a future sorbet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, well, I've all we'll watched the first couple of episodes. First couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. And, and do please keep the feedback coming. That would yeah, be, uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Right, we're going to finish on a voicemail from our buddy Mark. Excellent. Hi, Mike. Hi, Hannah. It is I, Mark. Well, okay. I was considering at this point uh, 
giving you a full throated rendition of Three Times a Lady. It just felt appropriate for this ending, <laughs> but I can't sing, so uh, I'm going to spare you that. Never stop However, me. I have to say, I'm going to be sad and happy when this finishes, when you finally finish Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's been a hell of a ride and a hell of a show. I've really enjoyed it. I remember the first time I watched it, I dropped up about midway through season three, I think. Uh, but this time I stuck with it. So most of this hasn't been a rewatch for me. It's been a first watch. Uh, but boy, have I enjoyed it. Um, standouts for me, yeah, season four. I really like the Ghost Rider stuff. And I really like the first half of season seven, the whole time travelly wavelly stuff that was really really cool and i have enjoyed listening to you both talking about it at length um i've also enjoyed the, the little aside you know the little you know the watchman series was amazing for example v was interesting though i haven't re-watched that myself I, I but i know v i watched it more than once all the way through in the 80s and 90s so i, I know v quite well but it was interesting to hear you talk about it um but you know, the Asians and Shield stuff is where it's at. And I'm looking forward to the next phase of this, for sure. I've also also enjoyed your little asides about the X-Files. I'm glad that you kept on going. And I'm proud of you, Hannah, for watching Home. <laughs> I knew it would exercise that demon if yeah. you actually watched it. Uh, it's never quite as bad as you remember it. Though it is a pretty bad one. Uh, and it's one of the great X-Files episodes. So, you know, it would have been a shame to miss out on. That's what I was it's, thinking. Uh, it's, uh, I, understand, I would have understood if you hadn't, but I'm glad that your um, OCD-ness kicked in and you just <laughs> had to watch it in the end. Hooray for it. I, I appreciate uh, the power of OCD-ness myself. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to the next phase. Congratulations. I'm uh, no slouch when it comes to rewatches and, and working through stuff. Uh, just to let you know where I'm at in the minute, I finish. What did I finish? I finished all of the new Star Trek stuff, uh, you know, Picard, Discovery, Strange New Worlds season two, all of that. Um, and I'm now on into Deep Space Nine season two. Still not grabbed me entirely, but I'm liking it and enjoying it soon. reasonably well. What I have enjoyed most, really, in terms of uh, sort of cramming in new stuff is Buffy, actually. Buffy season five, I thought, was pretty damn great. So I, great. I, I, and, the whole uh, show. At some point, maybe you'll cover some Buffy, or you'll do, you know, you. I think, did you do one or two episodes? You did, did once you? more you did with the musical one, right? Mm, yeah, no, we did once more with uh, well, Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, so Buffy. Also, I've been, um, I think I mentioned it last time, I'm working through Classic Doctor Who. I watch one, one story a week, and I'm now on the sixth Doctor. Uh, so uh, I've got through... Peter Davison, I'm now just like Colin Baker. That's where Peter I checked Davison, out. Peter Davison, I was, did not like at first, but man, he finished with a bang. His, his last great story was Caves of Androzani. And what a, what a great story that is. I never realised how good it was until I watched it. Man, that is, uh, I mean, it's considered one of the great um, Doctor Who mm. stories, and I didn't know why until I watched it. And uh, man, it was intense. Uh, good one, that one. Um, and there's various other things going on. I'm currently re-watching all the Marx Brothers films, for example. Yeah. Uh, I just finished re-watching all the Amicus, Portmanteau, you know, horror um, anthology movies. There's seven of those. I've just finished watching those. And there's loads of other stuff you don't want to know about. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not a slouch, but I will be re-watching along with you, whatever you are continuing with. I think I know what it is. And I, I don't know if I missed some sort of announcement, but... You've, it's been hinted at, and I think I know what it is, and I'm looking forward to that too. Um, and honestly, when when there was a mention of Twin Peaks, I was kind of, have I written a book on that? Because I've written several <laughs> books, but I couldn't remember if I've written one about Twin Peaks, but I haven't. Forgetting a book you've written. Um, log, the Twin Peaks log with Becky Booth. Um, uh, so we got through all three seasons of Twin Peaks and some of the some of the sort of ancillary material, not such as the film and the... Uh, and stuff um so i kind of feel and i have watched just so you know i've watched twin peaks through seven times now wow. and i am intent to start on eight but i'm gonna see where you're going um and if you are watching the entire lot i will watch it alongside you if not i'll just cram it in my own time um <laughs> we watch it for an eighth time why not but anyway, back to you. Congratulations. Uh, I hope nothing gets broken in the, the new phase. Of the <laughs> well, we'll see. Falls down a hill. 
any of that stuff, uh, <laughs> just keep trucking and take care of yourselves and uh, be lucky. Okay. So that's me, Mark. Bye bye. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, uh, it's, Mark. it's funny because he mentions um, Buffy. I think, I think it's, it's his first time what she said, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's, he's You're in for a treat with season six, Mark. I mean, I think that Buffy is, although they're different shows, I kind of associate it with X-Files in the way that they were kind of, the X-Files started earlier, but they overlapped fairly significantly. Mm. And it feels like they're both, you know, they have standalones. They have, they have quite a cultural footprint. Yeah, and, and they're... I think that they actually have a lot of similarities as shows. Yeah, I mean, I'd I think that, that I mean, the, the X Files is, is straighter, mm. um, and Buffy's more anarchic, and obviously it has the whole youth element to it. Mm. But but they're very, I almost kind of see them like Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah, you know, they're they're so a lot of the same guest stars, a lot of the same creative people. They look, got quite similar looks. They they feel like they sprung out of the same kind of geek gene pool. So. Yeah. Uh, I can see why they would be then. But anyway, um, enough enough of this. Yeah, let's crack on. Should we watch the final episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Whack it on. All right, whack it on, baby. Um, Okay, let's do it. We'll be back uh, after watching this episode to give you our thoughts. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker. The... Wit of Mark Hamill's Joker. Yeah. And the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald. He's got a cat. He lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've that seen bits great. of it. It's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com. What a beautiful podcast and we are back so we have just finished watching what we're fighting for the final episode of marvel's agents of shield so uh, hannah what are your initial thoughts on this episode i think before we say anything a round of applause please what are we applauding what do you think we're applauding the writers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I thought we were applauding for Tooth Fairy. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a dumbass. <laughs> um, but yes, we should applaud Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, um, we have now watched the entire show. Just for context from Mike's dumbassery, um, our daughter lost two teeth today and I have just successfully bought those teeth which i think we can all agree deserves a round of applause <laughs> i mean it's not like you wrote seven seasons of a tv show but it's still it was an it was a, an incredible act of but stealth I on your part. in there and um, got those gnashes out you did uh, so but yes hannah your thoughts on this episode uh, it was just amazing and you know from from the very beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the theme has always been family. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always come back to the group. It's always had that mum and dad dynamic, daughter dynamic. That's what it came down to in the end. And it was just such a perfect circle of writing. Yeah, I mean, we kind of solidified the themes because I'd say that the the two main themes of the show uh, are family. Absolutely right. And I think the other is empathy. Yeah. And that factored into the storyline as well. You know, yeah. the fact that they gave what ultimately saved them was they Star Trekked it. They gave the Chronicons um, the ability to empathise. You made me feel, man. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's interesting that those two kind of ongoing subtextual elements of the show mm-hmm. are so central. You know, I mean, the, obviously you've got, you know, Cora and Daisy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got the. Um, the resolution of um, Daisy going from being uh, a mentee to being a mentor mm. as well, you know. Her final fight with Nathaniel as well, I just, I felt like at one point Coulson and Mac were looking at her like, my God, she's come a long way. Yeah, you know? like if you think about her, you know, her training with Ward in season one, yeah. how sort of just, she was the hacker. And how unprepared to be a fighter, yeah, she was. Yeah, uh, and it, and it's interesting that I mean the other thing about the episode is it, it feels like a final episode in the sense that 
the format of the show is different. Like it starts with a title card, Agents mm. of Shield. It doesn't have the pre-credit sequence, and then it's like it's straight in. It's almost as though, and there's such a breakneck info dump at the beginning that yeah. this episode makes no concessions. I mean, we've rewatched no. all of the show recently, yeah. and I was struggling at points. Um, but I think that the other big, my big takeaway of this episode is. It's always about the characters, you know. I mean, I moan about like you know, Russian guy with his whiskey and his and his uh, onion vodka for fuck's sake. Uh, sorry, yeah, whatever. Uh, I was about to say his whiskey and his orange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's Russian. He was Russian though, wasn't he? Like, be you, whiskey and an orange. And probably, <laughs> I don't know, a naked mole rat or something. You don't like cats. So beer, beer, be beer, and an apple. But um, the, the, you know, I moan about those those elements, but. Ultimately, they don't matter. You know, it's about the characters and it's about the the situations as well. And the yeah. and I think the world building and I think that one of the things that I enjoyed about this episode was, I mean, it really embraced the science fiction yeah. of it. You know, I mean, the show started out very much as a spy espionage action series. Yeah. And it's a little bit like Fringe in well, the way that... it's very straight. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it kind of... It, it embraced those genre elements more and more as it went on, mm. you know. And um, I think became... And I think as it separated itself from the MCU. The thing that... Like, just to go back to the family element, you can break that down in so many ways as well. Like, how um, consistent they were with keeping that as a really big theme right from the pilot where you've got um oh deathlock and um his son yeah, yeah. and then you've got um you know ward with his kind of faux father relationship with garrett and there's, there's generational villains as well in yep, the show 100 percent. and you think about all the ghost rider stuff that was yeah. really that was all family. Yeah. And the other thing as well is, I mean, I'd go one step further and say that it's not just family. It, it's this idea of togetherness, mm. this idea of um, it's better to be together than be apart, and but mm. there's, it's it's strengthening to, and, to do that. And that even when a situation seems completely hopeless, i.e. you wake up in space and the world is exploded and is no more, there's always there's always a solution. Yeah, you've just got to always a work. Got to work. Yeah, yeah, and that it's a bit of a Leslie Nope attitude, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you find your team and you go to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the other reason why I enjoyed this episode is that it, it feels like the show. Mm. Sometimes final episodes of shows have got so much to do because the shows tied themselves in a knot and they've got to unravel it. Mm. Um, or they've got a lot of narrative to get through, or you know, or there's been some one central MacGuffin like lost, you know, that they yeah. have to kind of deal with. But it feels like um, this episode did felt like an episode of the show. You know, yeah. the the humor, action, um, drama, I had a uh, balance, of out loud chuckles. Yeah, exactly. In that episode, it was it was lovely to end. You know. Max stomping on one of the Chronicom's head and just going, nope, was so, <laughs> yeah. like, delicious. Yeah, I just yeah. loved it. Um, uh, but you think about the people who have worked on S.H.I.E.L.D. and we have heard this time and time again in all of the interviews that we've done, whether it be yeah, people have their kids on whatever. It's the, the mood is always one of family. Yeah. And um, it... By by and large, sounds like it was a really supportive environment yeah. to work in. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I saw on Instagram today that like there's a whole load of the writers and actors and stuff are at, at uh, Jed and Mo's house. Yeah. Having having dinner. Yeah. And you so see, there's a lot of shows yeah. where that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, and you know it, that doesn't necessarily mean you know that the show should get me tooed or anything like that. No. But. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it does seem genuine because there's no re there'd be no reason to kind of maintain that facade, you know, well, several no, you years just after the go your own way. You could go your own <laughs> way. Um, sorry, just went a bit deep there. Yeah, where he could um, cut himself. He he's a 
he is such a hidden gem of a character. Yeah. Even though he wasn't in it for a, a lot of the episodes, you know, he kind of bows out. And his introduction was quite sort of inauspicious as well, wasn't yeah. it? Because he was just kind of he like... Just, I just loved him. Yeah. I, I don't care what anyone says about him being, um, what was it, the embodiment of, of slavery or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because he sells Daisy. Yeah, I think people were taking things a little bit literally. Yeah. Way yeah, too yeah. literally. Yeah, I just think he's fantastic. And is it J.J. Ward? Is that his name? No. No. Jeff Ward. Jeff Ward. I mean, he could be. His middle I'm name might be Charlie. What, I mean, by coincidence, his name might be Charlie. I'm trying to think what his Instagram handle was. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just think he's such a good actor. Um, he will always be the, whatever the standard equivalent actor is of Bradley Cooper. For non-union. Non-union, Yeah. It was such a joy to watch the episode from start to finish. Got me in all the feels. I have a cold, dark heart, so I don't cry. Um, but you know, I kind of went, "Oh." Yeah. If you if if you if if you had a functioning heart, you would have yeah. you would have teared yeah, up. Yeah. That's yeah, good to know. I'm, I'm the tin woman. <laughs> uh, well, should we? Uh, I'm the cowardly lion. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm Dorothy. Um, well, you're not a friend of Dorothy. I'll give you that. No, no. But I am partial to gingham. <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough, um, okay. Should we should we look at some highlights from the episode? Sure. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned, but kind of straight in there, and it's it's exposition, timelines, quantum realm. You know, I mean, this is like heavy shit. And like, and like I say, I guess how much how much you want to unpack that depends on how important that stuff is to you. I mean, I've got no idea whether it makes sense. I'm not going to sit down with a chalkboard working out timelines and stuff oh, like no. that. But it's delivered with conviction. So I, you know, I sort of. I, I put it down to kind of wizards did it for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've got no reason to think that it does. I mean, if anything, um, I feel like the show is pretty good when it comes to that kind yeah. of thing. So I'm just going to take it on faith. Yeah, I, I do sort of feel in quite safe hands in that respect. So I'm not I'm not getting stuck on, well, does this what that I, have what, happened? What I feel they like do they, they don't spend enough time on that stuff to A, indicate that it's important enough to warrant really working out and b i don't think they give you enough to disprove it or not Mm. you know i mean that's the great thing about star trek techno babble is they don't over explain it they kind of make reference to like you know heisenberg compensators and stuff to say hey look you know we broadly understand the science but they don't explain it so much that a it becomes boring Mm. and b you can go if you know a little bit, you know, if you've read a few Stephen Hawking's books, you could go, well, actually, that's bollocks. That doesn't work out like that. Mm. They give you enough to sort of pay lip service to it, yeah. but not so much that they can tangle themselves up too much. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that can cause themselves problems. Mm. But um, and one of the things I feel like that is great about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is I feel like it's a show that's learnt from the accumulated mistakes of other shows. I feel like it's learnt from the X-Files and Buffy and Alias and Lost and all of these shows um, and knows what the pitfalls are, you know, and has come up with a really, you know, largely around things like pacing, knowing how long to make storylines, knowing when to move on to something else, knowing um, how much you can bring stuff back, knowing when to change it up, all all those kind of things. I feel like it's benefited from the accumulated learnings yeah. of all of the other genre shows that have gone before it. My only bugbear is that they didn't do a musical episode. Yeah, that's, uh, it feels like they, uh, maybe, uh, I think if they'd have had two... Um, it would have been too close to Buffy. Well, I think the other difficulty is the show became so serialised because it's really difficult because uh, somebody pointed this out was that the cast of Star Trek Discovery have been saying since day one they wanted to do a musical episode because lots of them come from musical theatre, like Anthony Rapp and a lot of these people. I mean, he was in Rent, for God's sake. Um, And a lot of people were like, oh, shit, Strange New World's got to do a musical episode and Discovery had been talking about it for a while. But thinking about it, you couldn't do it on Discovery because it's serialised. Every episode has to kind of tonally feel consistent. Mm. Whereas because Strange New Worlds is standalone, you can do a rom-commy episode followed by a really dramatic episode mm. followed by a Lower Decks crossover. Yeah. You couldn't do that in Discovery. No. So I almost feel like it had to be Strange New Worlds that had the musical episode mm. because you can't have a season-long dramatic storyline and they just have one episode where everyone's singing. No. You know, even on Buffy, there was enough of a 
flipping between standalones and ongoing storylines. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked in season five, probably. No, no, but no. Season six, it worked. Yeah, because really well. there was a lot of standalones in that. Yeah, you know. there was. Um, but, well, it, you know, when an arc occurs, doesn't really happen to start with. Yeah. Like, oh, well, with Buffy. Well, it does, but yeah. Well, with Buffy, even in the middle of story arcs, they'd, they'd still have episodes that were somewhat self-contained. Yeah. Whereas, like shows like Star Trek Discovery and Picard, I suppose they it, don't do that. It's a bit like X Files in that sense. Like they'll have a run of three or four. You know, you have your thread that goes through everything, but you'll have a run of three or four that that are a serious. Oh thing. yeah, I mean, there's, there's, and then you'll have. You know, hyena people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there'll, there'll be loads of episodes of the X Files where you could literally watch that episode at any point in the season, and it wouldn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah, because it is completely self-contained. You know, and that was that's one of the things I'm glad to coming back. Like I remember having a conversation with you a few years ago about how I, I loved it when shows started doing more serialized TV because I'd always wanted that. Like mm. Star Trek, it always felt hampered by the fact that they weren't allowed to do too much serialized storytelling. Mm. But what I realized was there are a lot of babies getting thrown out of the bathwater in that, and shows where there is an element of standalone. I mean, even with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is serialised, each episode has its own identity. Yeah. It's not like Better Called Saul, well, Better Called Saul, where a season feels like a long film that's been chopped up. Yeah, absolutely. Into, yeah. You know, there's still, the episodes still have a beginning, middle and end and a climax and, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, And even if it's to do with the larger arc, it, it generally uh, wraps something up yeah. by well, the end Well, what it. I realised was after... TV shows became intensely serialized. What I realized was you never got any a sense of a complete experience watching an episode of a TV show. Mm, you yeah. always just felt like you were it felt like a slog. Mm. And one of the things that I'm really enjoying about rewatching the X-Files is we'll put an episode on at night and it's like we've watched a short movie. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I, I've just watched something that has actual resolution, mm. <laughs> you know, and you've got the whole kind if of not the answer to the questions. Yeah, well, well, well that that's those that's the myth arc episodes. Mm. They'll never give you all the answers because then the show would end. But the hyena people episode <laughs> will have closure. Yeah. You know, it's uh... were they hyena people? Scully says yes. Mulder says no. <laughs> so we see Fitz lay it out, basically. And, and again, it's worth mentioning, and we talked about this last week, how you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, mm. like when Fitz is back, you're just like, oh, God, yeah, wow, it's mad that he hasn't been in this, you mm. know. And I think that the... It was so lovely to see him interacting back in yeah. the team and, and uh, yeah, it, like, he, I, I really missed it. I think the thing that's helped when the show particularly in his last couple of seasons, there was obviously lots of limited availability. Like um, one of the listeners mentioned the fact that they had to do a, that, that scene when Daisy was asleep. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. stuff like that because, you know, everybody had very busy schedules. And But I think that one of the things that's helped them during times when a really key character isn't available for a while is what a great kind of arsenal of ancillary characters they've got yeah. you know characters like Enoch and Deke who very quietly became characters who could carry an episode like he didn't even occur to you like, like we, particularly with a character like Enoch he's around a while and then after a while you're like oh he's actually a really important character on the yeah. show you know and Deke was like that as well I and, I, and I think that he was in the final episode yeah they got him well. in there yeah um but I mean and the characters like Bobby and Hunter you mm. know were like that as well, where you yeah. kind of um, and uh, trip in earlier seasons. Mm -hmm. They came in, and there's always that slight, well, who's the new guy? Mm. Um, but then by the time that though that those characters get kind of, and this is something else that the show did really well was it knew when to deploy people. I was so surprised about how sad I was when Bobby and Hunter left. Um. Just, yeah, they kind of ingratiated themselves. Yeah, and also how good. happy I was when Hunter came back yeah. in that episode. It was like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really good. You think you're not going to like a character because they're different and, you know... I mean, I didn't like Deke to start with. Yeah. The first time I saw him. The second time it was like, nah, these Deke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, 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 they found the character because it was originally... Yeah. He was a straight dramatic character. I mean, there's a fight sequence where he like kicks day. He fight, he's fighting May, isn't he? It's kind yeah, of like. Yeah. Uh, so I think that they they realised um, that the character worked best almost like as 
like a Xander kind of yeah. character, you know. But and and, think- and it's a good comparison. I mean, like if you look at a character like Spike, he was like just a villain of the week character. He's my favorite character. And then character he, he, the writers liked him, mm. the audience liked him, and it grew. And that's yeah, exactly what happened. Him. Sorry. Like <laughs> yeah, that was the important thing as well. Though. <laughs> Somebody will watch this show years after it's finished airing. And um, no, but um, but that's a prime example of how characters like that can just organically, yeah, um, take on a, you know a life of their own. Mm. And um, so Fist lays it out and says that basically um, the key to save the world is Cora. He talks about timelines and the quantum realm. Coulson says that they need to save this timeline, and it's interesting because. Um, Fitz sees that timeline as completely expendable, you yeah. know, and Coulson's like, look, we need to save this. And Fitz is like, well, we could. He's like, but it reduces our chance of of succeeding in yeah. our mission by like 85% or something like that. So there's a little bit of a kind of like moral, you know, quandary conversation there. I kind of love that, that Coulson's quite insistent on that because it's showing – that they have got the empathy yeah. that they are going to in turn pass on to the hunters. Yeah, and they're like that. This world has value just yeah. because it's not our guys doesn't mean it isn't somebody's exactly. guys. And um, even the world where you have hot dogs for fingers, exactly, has it has value. And they talk about how, um, as is always the case in final episodes of TV shows, somebody would need to stay behind. Mm-hmm. Daisy reminds the audience that it's their last mission together. Uh, and the last time they'll be in the same room. Uh, Susan says that he will stay as well. Um, and I love uh, how Dick just does the... the yeah, 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 the Sandler. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and um, he basically Dick says that he wants her to be happy. Um, and also he's like, look, I'm going to be a rock star here. And they did say, um, I-, I looked on the Wikipedia page for this episode, and I think one of the writers mentioned that... Um, they ran out of time, but they were going to do a post-credit sequence of Deke playing at Madison Square Garden. Right. Uh, and they were like, they had they had a choice between doing that and having to scrimp on the effects for the other ones because they'd have to CGI the audience yeah. to make it look like a full. And they said that they were like, oh, we can't do that. But it's, but um, the, the Jed Whedon said that he loved the idea of leaving the show on Deke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be, seemed like weirdly appropriate. Yeah. Um, the, I like the fact that when Deke, you know, Deke gets left behind, they're like, are you the new guy in charge? And he, you see him think for a second, he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz tries to get through to Simmons because obviously she's still not remembering him as was part of their plan. Um, they talk about this star system. Uh, as part of his attempt to get through to her, he's talking about her childhood Um Astronomy and mm. what her favorite and star was. Her and, to fill in, you know, the spaces. Yeah, he's trying to trigger mm. the, the the memories, isn't he? Mm. And then we get the flashback to Enoch. Uh, we mm. see Piper and Flint at the end of season six. Uh, we see that Flint makes a time monolith for them, and it's nice. It's a great opportunity again. This this factors into the victory lap thing of being able to bring back characters. Yeah, you know, remind of the show. And that, that- consistency of story you know the fact that they reference the end of season six and all of that stuff and how much they trust and how much they trust the audience to remember that stuff as well you know um and again it's amazing that somehow war didn't turn up you know oh i know you know i mean they couldn't have there's no No, way they could have done it without it feeling a bit like remember me um but i'm sure that those conversations occurred you know i mean i think the only way that they kind of were able to reference him was to bring Garrett back. Yeah. Yeah. So they t- we learn about the Alia star system um, and they talk about how uh, it doesn't matter how long it takes as it's uh, a time machine. So we see that they live for years together. Um, again, very Buffy. It reminds me of the episode of Angel where Buffy comes to LA and he gets cured of his vampirism, but they have to turn back time. Mm. Uh, um, and there's that scene where she's like, uh, and there's that scene where Buffy's like, I, I don't want to forget, I can't mm. forget, um, but Angel has to remember. That's mm. like the kind of the the, the, the uh, romantic tragedy of yeah. it all, um, and um, so but she doesn't want to forget and leave. Fitz tells Piper to protect the um, the sort of the, the little bay docking thing that they have on the, on the ship, um, 
and how he has to stay as a link between the timelines to yeah. keep them, I, I don't know, tethered, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and this is where we see her forget. We get a bit of business with Sybil and Malik. I mean, the fact that like Sybil's death is essentially pretty much off screen tells you how much they really give a shit about the 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 narrative of the it's villains. Sort of, you can't even really remember. Well, how the she shit got. blows up. Yeah, but you know, it's so like she's there to drive the storyline. Yeah, and she's hardly in the season as well. Really, you know. So again, it shows. I mean, the fact that they kill Nathaniel after her says a lot. Yeah, really. yeah, exactly. Um, we see the temple again from a different point of view. So we're, we're returning to the end of season six. There's a great um, Kevin Tancheran fight sequence, directed fight sequence mm-hmm. with Daisy. We see um, Malik get all glowy eyed. So, you know, the short, the TV shortcut for Guy with Power. We see Simmons remember what they're fighting for. The name of the episode, of course, mm-hmm. gets, re- gets referenced here several times. Is that if great moment? our son, he'd go, family. It's family. <laughs> There's. Um, that great moment where he says, what comes next? And May's like the cavalry as she crashes through the ceiling. So you see she's made peace yeah. with her, her reputation. I, I love that that she, uh, you know, goes all sort of badass yeah. and gets in there. She gets one last bit of ass whooping in there as well. Yeah. So Cora gives the hunters empathy. And again, this is what the show's about, you know, looking at the world through other people's eyes and family. And both of those things are there. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that... Um, when they turn the Chronicons, when they when they give the hunters empathy, and they say you friends, and he says yes, we are as we as have always, always been, been, which of course is the name yeah. of the episode, you know. So th- that's a great little callback and very subtle. Mm. Um, and and the timbre of their voice sounds like Enoch. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I really appreciated because it was. Uh, just such a lovely little nod. Well, it's as though, even though this episode obviously was written and made so soon after episode nine, I think they realised already that that episode was a bit of a classic. Mm. So I think that, that you know, they they it's interesting, but and I don't think it could even have aired when they shot this that they were that quick to realise that that it was it was reference worthy. Mm. Um, you know, later on, yeah, uh, not that much longer. You know, that not that much later on. So Daisy blows up the ship. We see her floating in space. Uh, Cora saves her. We learn about the daughter. And we see it all. We see, we, we have the blanks filled in for us mm-hmm. where we see them all, you know, eating popcorn and laughing at movies and, you know, as, as, as you do in these familial montage sequences. I, I love the fact that that child was just lying there quite happily watching a whole movie, drinking a bottle of milk. Now, our kids are very good at watching films. But even they climb all over you and... Maybe that was the beginning of the movie. Our kids are good for a while. Yeah, yeah. We go to one year later. We see all the team FaceTiming in the bar. And it's interesting as well because this episode... I love the virtual goggles. Yeah, well, well, this episode was filmed just before... I mean, I'm I'm really glad as well, actually, because obviously a lot of TV shows were shut down during COVID. And I wonder, this was a short season and it, it got renewed by the skin of its teeth. I suspect if they'd had to have shut down production during season seven of Agents of Shield, I don't know whether they'd ever have been able to finish it. No. So this was filmed just before COVID and aired afterwards, but it's funny because we would all become proficient in video conferencing, you know, in, in, in the you know in the in the months afterwards. What was that thing that died a very quick death? House party. Oh God, I don't even know that one. Yeah, that was an app. That started at the start of um, the Kiwi lockdown, so March. Didn't, um, no, Zoom won that, that war, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, Zoom, absolutely. I won. mean, how the hell Skype? I mean, whoever was the CEO of Skype in March 2020 should get have got fired immediately. It's like they owned the world's biggest, most ubiquitous <laughs> uh, video conference. I mean, people have been used to refer to video calling as Skyping. Skyping. And they immediately dropped a number two during the time when they should have been like, all right, guys, come on, we're this up. our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is it. We're going to rule the earth. They basically got performance anxiety. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They just screwed the dog, didn't they, on that one? So we see them all meet in the bar, the virtual meeting. Um, I, I do like the this nice little meta moment where, because obviously, you know, what's happening here is this is the cast saying goodbye to the show. And you can see it in some of them, you know, and yeah. and, and there's there's great there's video footage of the table read of the of this episode as well, and you can see them really, you know, struggling, and you know, in the best sense. And 
the, the, there are moments in this where you can see the writing in a good way. Like they're talking about Max's new job, and he's like, "Yeah, it's great." He's like, um, "I got, I really got tired of just all those hallways." Yeah, you know, and and they're referencing the fact that you know, I love it when it was, they the, tried the, to. There was limited sets on the show, you know. Um, I love it when they're trying to one up each other about who's who died. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the competitive dying, the, the, yeah. the exchanging deaths. Guys, um, they died at least seven parts. And they, uh, so they catch up. They they talk about how they can't lose touch as, as they've been through too much. And we get flashes of their lives as they, you know, as they unplug Yuck. from the conversation. I like the fact that uh, I had to look this up because I suspected it. The, the code that Mac, and this answers my earlier question, gave Colson was 136. Mm-hmm. And this was the 136th episode of the show. They did right. 136 episodes. Um of course, it's just Coulson and Daisy. The show kind of ends how it started. You know, yeah. um, Daisy says that it's funny what can happen when someone believes in you. And, of mm. course, she's talking about her and Cora as well as her and Coulson. Yeah. Um, we then see Daisy, Cora, and Sousa on the ship. And then um, the show ends the same way that the first episode of the show ended with Coulson going off in Lola mm. uh, and saying, cool. And I like the fact that the show, it doesn't try and go like... Like, I, I've always... When this is done badly, he's like, I remember, forget the final, I've talked about this before, the final episode of Doctor Who with David Tennant, where he's dying and he's taking forever and everyone's crying and he's going around and visiting everyone. It was the last episode that Russell T. Davis wrote as well. And it just feels like this really maudlin, self-congratulatory thing. And I think that the great thing about the very ending of this show is it reminds you, it's a comic book show. Mm. You know, like there's great he acting, there's great performances, there's great, yeah. But at the end of it, it still reminds you that it feels like Men in Black, or you know, yeah. it comes from that that pulpy thing. And mm. the show has never been ashamed of its comic book roots, or tried to elevate it, or say, well, you know, it's really about family, you know, which it is. They could have made that claim, mm. um, but the show goes out on a frivolous, fun, cartoony moment, well, and good on it, you it, know. It, it just shows that they've kept their sense of humour as well throughout. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that because you need a lightness of touch in there to to cut through all the absolutely shite situations they end up in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, Hannah, that, that was that episode. Have you got any final thoughts on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, nothing huge, just that I am so incredibly... Please, that we rewatched it. Mm. Um, I think it's the kind of show that um, I'll happily rewatch it again. It's, I think. Next week on the rewatch project, we're watching <laughs> episode one of season yeah, one of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Um, I think. I think you get different things out of it every time you see it, yeah. and you notice different things. In well, it's, it is a very dense show, particularly yeah. those later seasons. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed especially watching season seven again, because I feel like there was so much going on in the world just in general. I don't think I took it in fully. Yeah. Um, so it's been really nice to um, to rewatch it and just pick up on those little details that I missed the first time round. Kudos to the writers and showrunners and everyone involved, actors, everyone. Um, it was incredible. And... Yeah, I'm really pleased that we did it as our first full rewatch. Mm. What about you? I think it's an interesting show because I think, in some ways, it's kind of been written out of Marvel history a little bit. Mm. Uh, and I think it's kind of been forgotten as a show in a way because when it came out, it came out, you know, not long after The Avengers. Mm. You know, it was created by Joss Whedon, written and the pilot was written and directed by Joss Whedon, who of course wrote and directed um, Avengers. Mm. It was it was really at the height of MCU mania, but very quickly people watched it and they. I think I don't know what their expectation was. I don't know whether they just thought they were going to get a I Marvel they movie they were every week. Get the Avengers, yeah, and um, Agents of Shield. and then the show basically, you know, lost a lot of its audience and became a popular cult show. And I think that because since Disney Plus launched and Disney have very much tried to kind of erase this and Agent Carter and 
even to a certain extent, the Netflix shows like Daredevil and those a little bit because they want to make out that you know the new, these new shows are kind of where it's really at. But I think that people are rediscovering the show, and I think the the, the thing about it for me is that I think that it just did it, and I think that one of the things that the show suffered from, but now actually works to its advantage, is it came at a time. It came out at a time when television was changing. Yeah. You know, it, it came out at a time when it, I think it was seen as a bit of a throwback. Mm. You know, like we was we were moving into the era. I mean, we had already had The Sopranos and shows like that, but I think Breaking Bad made a big difference. Yeah. And I think Game of Thrones as well, mm. where people went from these 22, 23 episode shows that were slightly lower budget than the HBO shows because the HBO shows, they got to make less episodes, they had more time, more money. And I think that this show got unfairly maligned and maybe even kind of like cast in with like the CSIs and those. It was like, oh, it's just one of those shows. I like premium TV. But I think that what's happened now is I think people have, there's a bit of fatigue with that because the thing about premium TV is, not all of it is good. No, exactly. And when it's bad, it's dreary. Mm. And I think the thing about network shows is there's a breeziness to them. And I think that what's happened with the MCU is I think it has disappeared up its own arse a little bit and kind of forgotten how to fun. Yeah. And it's interesting because our son has got really got into watching the original Avengers movie. And I mentioned Men in Black earlier on, but there was a real Men in Black aesthetic to the first phase of Marvel. Lots of shiny, metallic, uh, almost like mid-century futurism kind Mm. of uh, design. And so much of it was set during daytime. Yeah. uh, And it was bright and colourful. And I think the MCU has become slightly muted because I think, again, we're moving... It's It's going through its Harry Potter three to six phase. And I think one of the things that's great about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it's maintained that brightness... And I don't just mean I don't just mean that literally. I partially mean that literally, but I think that that's been one of its strengths. To be able to maintain, just to echo what you said, Hannah, that quality over such long seasons, but also to use that to the show's advantage in making this rich tapestry, mm. is an incredible achievement. And I think that is something that maybe people will start to crave again. I don't necessarily think they'll go back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for that, Mm. but I think we're already starting to see in shows like The Mandalorian and um, Poker Face, this kind of return to wanting to have more of a complete experience with each episode of TV that you watch. And I just and think for that, not everything to be so serious. Yeah, but but when Agents of Shield had to do dramatic, he did it as well as all of those. But a lightness of touch with it, well, you know, and that's that's a really hard balance. Dark is so easy to do. Mm. It's like that's why people struggle to make good Superman films because positive, optimistic. It's really hard to do. Mm. But if you want to do so, a, t- a TV show or any kind of art where you're really making your characters suffer, that's pretty easy. Mm. That's one of the reasons why so many people do it. Yeah. You know, it's beneficial for that. But but I just think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has... The show allowed itself to evolve and change, but it never changed in the ways that you you would want it to not change. No. So, I mean, it changed in the sense that they brought lots of new characters in. They changed the format. They would do long stories, short stories, stories set in space, stories set on Earth. But the humour to drama and just general vibe of the show was consistent. Mm. And that was really smart. And whenever you always felt that the show was just about starting to get a bit stale, they had the courage and the sense to make a change. And it was always an improvement. Yeah. You know, and I think in some ways that's the legacy of the show is how vital it managed to stay, even when they had to limit the locations that they were using and the effects they were using and the availability of cast. It all and you know, people, actors having to leave or come back and all of these mm. things that you can't control. And for the most part, you'd never knew. It wasn't until Silver Surfer or Jack Dubbs would be like, oh, well, yeah. the reason they did that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose they did actually feel like they left yeah. really prematurely. But I would never have 
thought that at the time. And I think that's really impressive. But no, bravo at Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and I think I that... you were going to say bravo, Marvo, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo, Marvo, Ajo of, <laughs> of show. Um, but I think he says a lot that, you know, we've watched this show, we've interviewed people about it, we've done feedback, we've discussed it, but we will probably watch it again one day. Yeah, you know, it's not. Doubt. It's not like, okay, I really enjoyed that, but I never want to watch an episode of no. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. It, I don't feel like that at all. I, it, it's a bit like Fringe for me. You know, Fringe is a, it's not a slog, but it, it's 22 episodes, 24 episodes a season, five seasons. It's It's a commitment to watch it. But once you're in it, you're just in it and you power through. And, and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is the same. And I think that, that both those shows, is it's very similar to the appeal of sitcoms. It's about spending time with the characters. Mm, yeah. That you want to – and You, know, you just but, get into that world, don't you? And yeah, you and, and, yourself. and that's always been the big appeal for me for Star Trek as well, mm. is if I go a certain amount of time without watching Star Trek or watching Star Trek The Next Generation, I miss – those guys yeah. and want to spend time with them again. Yeah. And that's a big part of that. And I think that's what works for sitcoms. But uh, yeah, no, um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we have certainly, we have talked about that. Um, so um, Hannah, what are we talking about next week or next time? Well, let me give you the synopsis. An idiosyncratic FBI agent investigates the murder of a young woman in the even more idiosyncratic town of Twin Peaks. Okay, and who is this written? Who were the writers and directors of this first episode? Uh, so the first episode, affectionately known as Pilot, was directed by David Lynch and written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. Okay, well, looking forward to watching that again for the first time in um, actually probably about a year, <laughs> knowing me. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be back to talk about Twin Peaks very soon. So, um, quick reminder that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And you can reach us on social media, namely Instagram and Twitter, where in both cases we are at rewatchproj. And uh, check out our friend shows, comments on YouTube, always appreciated. And Spotify and Apple podcast reviews are also appreciated. But for now, that is us, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. See ya.